You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world, 24 hours a day. Thank you for listening to WGSR.net, bringing hope and comfort 24 hours a day. God's Noise Radio, a podcast to hear your soul, bringing you hope and comfort through the power of Christian testimony. God's Noise Radio, a podcast to hear your soul, it's coming on. And welcome everyone to God Stories Radio. This is session 91. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. How you guys doing? Oh, just peachy. Oh. <laughs> it has been so long, my friends. It has. Oh, you know it. But we're, we're here now in our new studio. New studio. So it's a new season for God Stories Radio. You betcha. And it starts off with session 91. Right, yes. and we're so privileged to have Sasha with us tonight. Can we do some shout outs first? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're definitely going to do some shout outs. Oh, absolutely. I'm shouting but, already because I'm in this <laughs> new studio. I know. This is, this place is, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I have so. to tell you, Fritz really took a leap of faith and put it out there. And we have a studio now. We're missing three chairs. That is it. The equipment's here, everything's here. We're a little shy. Yes, we are. Fritz is in the hole for 1K. 1K, about 1K, and that's counting I I didn't want to say, yeah. Yeah. So if if God has been tugging at your heart, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We've footed the bill. We've had some donations, but now would be the time because we really would like to be able to pay our taxes before they're due. The bill for the taxes. Yeah, the taxes took us by surprise because we have to file as a a private foundation, which is like the big boys. The big boys. It was like $350. And I'm like, man, I didn't didn't even take that much in donations. Good grief. And Uh she goes, well, yeah, it's pretty much the the going rate. And as we talked the other day, you know, I found out uh, little by little that uh, you're about uh, six or so into your own pocket as well for... What you what see here, minus the three chairs. Well, I just really, really wanted to get this studio done. And I knew, you know, Sasha was coming in in a couple of weeks. And it was really just going to, I just wanted to kick it off. And God's just amazing. Oh, and absolutely. He's blessed us. And I'm going to post some pictures so everybody can see, you know, what we look like here. And uh, for the folks that have helped us and donated and prayed for us and I just thank you. Can thank I you, order thank you, business thank you. cards now? Oh. Yes. So I can start soliciting business more cards, testimonies. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. You betcha. Now hey, how about some address? shout outs there, Trish? Oh, yeah. Guess what? What? We are now in 52 countries. 52? Barbados, man. Uh, Barbados. Oh, Welcome. And Welcome. You know, and, and Fritz and I were talking about that this week. You know, this is a 52 countries through Lipson that is actually able to track them. But our biggest fan base is on iHeartRadio. Yes, we love iHeartRadio. who knows how many countries we are through that? Yeah, reach out to us and let us know. Shoot us over an email at godstoriesradio at gmail.com or connect with us on Facebook or Twitter and let us know. Because, you know, it's always good to know that we're reaching out and spreading the gospel all over worldwide. Amen. 
You betcha. Oh, and uh, Facebook likes. We have a couple new Facebook likes. James Samango and Ruth Martinez. Welcome, James. Thank you, Ruth. And Lee Carissa. Carissa, I think it is. It still looks quite what it is. That's a pretty name. And... Nicolo Naples. Niccolo? Niccolo. Niccolo Naples. Niccolo Naples. Naples. He he listens to us all the time. All the time. What a cool name. He's visiting, um, well, he's, I think he's working in Coral Springs, but he lives in California. But he was kind enough to wish me a happy birthday today on Facebook. All right. Well, that brings me to my next point. It is uh, Trish's birthday today. March 31st. You betcha. The day before April Fool's Day. God is good. (laughs) God Stories Radio on her birthday. Now that's commitment. Oh, yeah, really. And I think Mikey's got a little something, you know, for later. Oh, yeah, I got a a cake. Yay. (laughs) It wasn't a homemade carrot cake. Well, no. It wasn't a pan fried, you know, ribeye. Ribeye, yeah. I I had that Sunday. You betcha. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, oh, what? I have one last thing. Yeah. Guess what? What? I, okay, my GPA said, Trisha, don't apply to law school. You're not getting in. My LSAT score said, don't apply to law school. You're not getting in. But God had bigger plans. But the father said, and the father said, Amen. I got in. That's right. And we told you, don't doubt. I know. I just can't believe it. It really is a miracle. And I did. I put scripture. I had a 20-page application, and I put scripture on there twice. You know, I prayed about it before I put it on there, Mm -hmm. and I just said, let it speak to the hearts of whomever. Yep. (laughs) That's fabulous. So it's bittersweet because, you know, it'll be, I'll be busy with that, and I don't know how much I'll be able to do with God's stories, but I'll still come and visit you guys. All right. You better. That's right. <laughs> and I was telling uh, Mikey before we got started that Aubrey got a job at our most disfavorite company headquarters where we have our meetings. Yeah. IHOP. Oh. Yeah. I was thinking IHOP or Starbucks. <laughs> IHOP. Yes, sir. Well, that would have been next level. She'd have got oh, to yeah. work at Starbucks. Starbucks. That's but where I, I went for my birthday this morning for breakfast. Oh. Yeah? Yeah. I'm proud. IHOP? So, Mikey, what's going do. on over there? You're a wave rider. Oh, I'm a wave rider. God is, God is. There's probably about, not a, there's enough a, time. There's to, probably not, but he has recently kind of uh, let me know where he's taking me and what's going on to a certain extent. And that's the way I'm going to put it to a certain extent because you could never know totally. Um, More will be revealed. You betcha. Prophetic calling, seer. Wow. Yeah. Goosebumps. You betcha. And he's confirmed it and everything else. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, we're going to have to hear more about that. But for now. Yes, we have a guest guest. sitting here. I'm anxiously awaiting to to hear this testimony. I've kind of heard bits and pieces of it through Martin. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll let you uh, introduce her. Well, Martin, uh, I am his roommate. Let's put it that way. um, And have been there for a little bit over two years guest we have tonight her name is sasha mills and he uh was dating sasha mills and that's how this is how she got to know about god stories radio and and early on martin did send us quite a few i mean our first 15 testimonies probably a third of them came from him 
So you know it's gonna be good, folks. Right, so, uh, and he was number 10, was, uh, what was number 10, session number 10, our biggest one? Oh, beauty, that was- Beauty um, from Ashes? Yeah, Beauty from Ashes. Right, that came from Martin, and there was a few others. So um, this will not disappoint, I'm sure. So again, I give you uh, Sasha Mills. Sasha, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And you are the very first guest in the brand new studio, so welcome. Bells and whistles. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Hi, uh, my name is, my full name is actually Nastasia Mills. I usually just go by Sasha. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that Romanian or something? What is that? It's Russian. Oh, Russian. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. No Russian heritage. Everyone asks me that. Um, I'm not Russian. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my full name. That is cool. I was just telling Mikey that I wished we had some Russian listeners. That's the one country that doesn't have a, they don't, at least yeah. if they are listening, they haven't told us, but right. Cause oh. there are some un, un, uh, what, how are they called? Unsolicited. Unsolicited. Yeah. Countries so there or something might be, like that. yeah. So that who knows could where be it's Russia, coming yeah, from. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. It's been on my heart for a while now to give my testimony, but I kept like, it, it was like, give your testimony, but then it would like come up and it'd be like, wait. And then, like, so it was definitely on my heart. And I had definitely had quite a few people um, as I got more into studying and more Bible studies and stuff that are like, you you need to give your testimony, you need to share your testimony. And I just knew I wasn't yet at the point to sharing. And even since I did the, um, the little short clip that Fritz heard, more has been revealed and moved forward since then. And so I knew was one of the reasons why I haven't didn't respond back right. right away with you as well is because I just knew I wasn't yet at that spot. There right. was still more, uh, more shaping and more revealing. It's also healing though to do it. Yeah, it yeah. is. Well, and that was the other thing too is um, like with one of the things that I've learned is until you can recount something without it completely bringing you back and crushing you in that feeling, you haven't yet healed from that. Well, um, <laughs> we have many people that have come in here and, oh, yeah, we'll give you testimony. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, about 15 minutes in, they're sobbing like a. Yeah. Yeah. And they're and not so it happens. expecting And that, I'm sure yeah. there'll be parts where I will still cry. But I'm just saying, I, it's just as far as I go. I know um, with my story, and I'll get into more details later on, but part of it is lined with um, years of depression. It tends to guide your mind to a more negative perspective. And as you were saying when we first walked in, and I, it, and I, it was confirmation of what I, I'm saying now, was that you know this is an a radio for encouragement and to, you know that kind of thing. So there's a very di- big difference between just telling you know, oh I went through all this and went through all this and went through all this, but not being able to say why or finding mm-hmm. the hope or being able to give that silver lining and which, inspire which, and to bring it and yeah full soul girl to be like this is why this so is the hope. So you can give that. And encouragement I, to the people listening absolutely right. and, and so that's, that's what they want to hear what it's been wait, that's what i've been waiting for there was just things that wisdoms and discernments and things that i needed to learn still like i i hadn't yet gotten to that point where i can go back speak over these things without falling apart completely and being like oh it's horrible <laughs> and not being able to be like but you know <laughs> instead of just you know having that like oh but you know things will be okay eventually you know i didn't want to have my testimony be like, oh, well, it will be okay one day. I wanted to be able to be like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's not even just okay. It, 
it's good. You well, know the thing I mean? is, too, you're never really done with your testimony. Cause, oh, no. Yeah, no. I mean, we've all given ours. And well, you're done with it if you walk away from God and start doing your own thing. He well, puts yeah, you on the shelf. He puts you on the shelf. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mo Midlow, actually, said she was my spiritual mentor. She's um, actually session 12. Yeah, yeah. I heard hers. There's the funny thing is that I can't remember when she gave it, but even from like listening to her and the point at my life that I was with her, mm-hmm. I had, there was so much had changed and grown since she had given her testimony. Right. Like things had changed since then and her story had changed. So I'd have her, I had heard her more recent testimony, like just in conversation, living you know alongside of her. And then going back and listening to that one, I was able to see even from that testimony she gave where she was at now. And so like you were saying, like it, it's, it's continuing. Continues, yeah. But, um, I guess I'll start from the beginning. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So um, I actually will be turning 30 this year. Almost 30 years ago, I was um, born in Idaho to a military couple. My dad was active duty Navy and my mom was in the reserves, the Navy. And yes, there's a Navy base in Idaho. Don't ask me why, but that's why I was born there. <laughs> I didn't live there very long, but that's where I was born. And then um, as far as like my family background, my father came from a southern Oklahoma family that was, you know, his mom was a Christian and my mom came from a very broken family where her mom was an atheist and her dad was very uninvolved in her life. Basically, the word to describe my family is dysfunctional for generations and didn't stop there. (laughs) We moved a lot because my dad being active duty, there's just a lot that goes into being a military family. There's a lot of struggles that a lot of people don't know. And so it plays a serious part in how your childhood goes. Um, Your dad's gone all the time or your mom or both, depending on... um, and so it makes it a foundation hard, and it makes it even harder as a marriage, especially that's not one built on a foundation of Christ. When I was about six years old, my parents split. We were living in Connecticut at this point. I, I lived at, by then. I had lived in Colorado, Idaho, California, Virginia, and I think, yeah, yeah, Connecticut. I've been in California a couple times, but by six years old, I had lived in multiple states, and. Um, and then my dad was around a whole lot. He was gone a lot. So, and then they separated. And my mom moved to Colorado and my dad stayed in Connecticut. I guess the really hard part, like I, even like my mom was able to be a stay-at-home mom and be able to be there. And so even though my dad was gone, I, you know, I still felt secure. I kind of had to grow up a lot faster than I probably should have. I just remember there was like a big jump. Like I don't remember a whole lot from being a younger kid, um, but I definitely remember like a, the day my dad was sitting next to my bed, telling me, you know, he would never leave me. And then it wasn't maybe weeks until they separated and I left. You know, we left and and I didn't find out till years later what really happened and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. Dysfunctional, that's kind of the word. Um, I remember that first year, my mom would just break down into tears. And that was hard. It was hard um, to wrap my head around that. And it's even harder now because I'm reliving it from the mom's perspective. 
and I'll get into that later. <laughs> but yeah, so then, yeah, so it was just hard. Like I, my mom ended up being a single mom, working, you know, going back to school, working crazy hours. I mean, I was dropped off at the wee hours in the morning at, at childcare, go to school, come back, stay late, and then she'd pick me up and we'd go over to campus and I'd sit on the floor while she would, or in the chair, you know, nearby while she studied and. And so I, wa I watched my mom grow because she, they were, they, she was young and she, she pushed hard. And then um, we ended up in another a situation where my mom started dating a gentleman who was highly favored in the community and had his own kids. And we moved, you know, we moved in and and then she got pregnant. And then he started his his abusive tendencies started to come out. Um, it was mostly verbal. It was just a, a bad situation. Most of the time he was working. It was not, we lived on a ranch, so he was out, out on the ranch a lot. And this was, we were in Colorado. But it was just very negative. And it was hard. I spent a lot of time alone. We lived out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and it was like a 45 minute bus ride to school. And so I spent a lot of time just out in the fields by myself. Because I was one, I was trying to get away from him, <laughs> and two, I, we, you know, we we didn't live near other kids, or you know, like I had to beg and plead to get into an activity, and my mom would have to you know work with him so that I could go do gymnastics once a week or something, you know. And so there was just a lot of alone time, and that was really hard on me. I, as far as um, you know, I didn't I didn't have grandparents around. I didn't have my dad around. I didn't we didn't go to social events. We you know it was just. I mean, I, I found joy and pleasure in being out in God's world um, at that point. I didn't really have a Christian foundation at all, so I didn't know it as that. I just knew it was beautiful. I knew, you know, riding a four-wheeler through the fields and, you know, seeing blizzards that, like, made waves out of snow, you know. Like, just being able to be in that, that's where I found um, my safety and my security. But it was very isolating. It was very alone. But I did well in school, you know, and I did, and I had to be strong. That's how I always felt. I had to be strong and, and I would find beauty in whatever I could. That got bad. When my, when my mom got pregnant, he became even worse. And, um, thankfully he only hit me one time. Um, I was, I got out of bed to throw something away and I was past curfew. So he swung at me, ducked and ran into the bed. We eventually had to get out of that situation we had to leave everything. Um, it was one day he was, I don't, again, I, I was only eight. So I, it was it was still a lot of things that I don't really know that was going on all the time. But um, I do know he, it was something about taking, my sister had been born and there was something about taking her and my mom just panicked. She just, she just knew it didn't feel right. And so she bolted and it was freeing, but devastating at the same time because he had two little kids and they were um, three and six years younger than me and we had to leave them. We, like we didn't, I mean, she had no legal rights to take them. So we had to leave them in that situation. We knew it was a bad situation, but we didn't have a choice. And then um, we ended up in a safe home for about a week. We got a police escort and they showed us where to go. And, and I just remember like I had a best friend like calling her house collect because I was just like, I just want to talk to my best friend. <laughs> and so their mom like freaked out. She's like, are you okay? So there, it was, it was a hard situation having to go through that. Eventually we came down to Florida cause that's where my grandma lived. 
moving in with them. And then that's when the whole like custody battle started and just remember that being so stressful. And it, luckily my mom ended up being able to keep custody and then he had visitation rights and you know, we started again, you know, moving again and starting over. So then my mom started working at a little bar called Post Time and it was right next to Northland Church, which is in um, Lake Mary. She would drive by Northland all the time. And so here she is like a little bar hand. She kept driving past Northland and she kept getting a pool. So she finally took us one time. I mean, we lived with my grandmother who was a sworn atheist who said that, you know, she'd be a Christian if it wasn't for Christians. And oh, she had her own, own theories about all kinds of things, you know. And so we started going and I was in middle school about that at that time, almost in middle school, so fifth grade, I think it was fifth grade going to sixth grade and so I started at Lug and that was when I was first introduced, really introduced into Christianity. My mom eventually got a job as a teacher at a private school and a Christian private school and you know, so, so for my sixth, seventh and eighth grade I started to build a foundation in Christ um, and you know, I accepted Jesus and I started you know, highlighting in my Bible and doing my weekly devotions and stuff that they would pass out at church and like I would pray and I, you know, I, I just, I just started that foundation. Like I saw my mom dive into it and so I did. She got remarried right after middle school and that was again a really hard situation. Um, actually both my parents got remarried at this, about the same time. My mom hadn't known him very long and after the last experience with my sister's father, I was I was so hesitant. I was so scared. I just remember we're having a conversation and I was freaking out and I and I was trying to tell her, you know, I was trying to express myself, but I guess I never really learned how to. <laughs> my mom is a very um, introverted, A-type personality, and I and like I said, I, you know, I I've never we never really were very social, so. I didn't really have a strong social foundation. Yeah, and so when you're and when you're raised by like I have the desire to be, but I just didn't have the know-how. And so I mean, you could you could put me in a new school. I moved all the time. You can put me in a new school. I'd make new friends, but like actually getting into the the heart of like hard conversations or stress, you know, like you traveled light. How's so to the speak. weather? <laughs> yeah, you know, just like. Hi, my name is Sasha. Can we be friends and let's play? You know, like not like I'm. I'm very panicking over the fact that you're getting ready to get married to someone who we don't really know. Is he going to be abusive? I'm starting to become a teenager. Like maybe watched a little bit too much Lifetime. I don't know. But I was just like not okay. But I didn't know how to express it. And like her her response was, well, if you don't like it, you can go live with your father. And my mom was is not the type of person. To, you know, that was not. A, it might have been just, you know, she was mad or whatever, but the sting of that comment was just so painful on my heart because mm -hmm. she was the kind of person, I mean, she'd fight tooth and nail to keep her kids nearby. I mean, she, we never spent the night at anybody's house. She didn't go out partying and leave us with anybody. You know, like, she, we were her life. Like, she did everything for us. And so to hear her say, well, if you don't like it, then you can go you live with your dad. still felt like she was choosing him over him. Oh, yeah. It was hard. And then... And then, you know, they ended up getting married, and that that's a different, you know, story as far as that goes. But the same thing happened around the same time with my dad, is I went to go visit my dad, and he was engaged to a woman, and I don't know what it was. She did not like me. Like, 
perfect. Like we went met like we went. He lived in New Mexico at the time. We lived in Florida, and I went to go visit. And I was meeting, you know, her and her kids and her family for the first time. And everyone seemed to really like me, but she just had like just just did not like me. And she one one night I was laying in bed and they were started fighting and like she threw her engagement ring at him and he came in to my room and he was just bawling his eyes out and apologizing and up and down and I was just like okay you know <laughs> I didn't know what to do with that I was like it's okay I know you know you haven't been able to be around because you know I lived with my mom we lived in different states you know whatever. well that was when I was 14 and I'm almost 30 and I've seen my dad once since then so he ended up marrying her and basically disappearing from my life. That's kind of was my last interaction, real interaction with my dad. The last time I saw him was at his father's funeral and he, he we just happened to both go. It was in Oklahoma and we both went. And so I saw him. <laughs> that was, it wasn't like he was coming to visit me or I was invited me to visit him or anything. So it was very um, awkward, like, passing acquaintances and stuff and that was definitely hard at you know in high school to be you know, getting ready to go or I think I might have already been in ninth grade or going into ninth grade about that time and have that happen with both my parents and so here I am you know I have no other support system besides like my mom you know we didn't have we didn't really have a, a good church that we went to once my mom remarried because they didn't like the drive to Lake Mary from Winter Park which is where we were living then so then they were trying out other churches, and so it was, and then I ended up, um, I, I had been a competitive gymnast. I had eventually had, you know, continued that passion in gymnastics and become a competitive gymnast, and then with everything, I wasn't emotionally being able to focus like I wanted to, and so I eventually ended up stopping that, and so it was like, I just was like sitting there with all the raging hormones of a teenager, and like my dad picked his you know new wife over me and then my mom picked her husband over me and then they started trying to have kids and stuff and um, I didn't have a church home or anything so here I was in high school like trying to figure out everything on top of everything mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it was like it was just like compounded on top of each other it was just like okay well what do I do with my what do I do with any of this like I didn't know what to do with it and I didn't have anyone to go to high school became very hard so then I kind of dove into the more academic side because I since like in seventh grade I had decided I wanted to go to an Ivy League school and I had really been studying and pushing and like so I just like kind of dove into that but I felt like every time I made like two steps forward in life I felt like I went 20 steps back Um, because then when I tried to explain that you know in, in ninth tenth grade to my new stepdad he was like, oh, no, I'm not paying for that. He's like, if you're going to college, you're staying in Florida. And so I was like, but no, 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 no. And so finally, in, I think it was like 11th grade, they told me that if I went out of state, they wouldn't financially support me at all. So I ended up going to my safety school because it was the only Florida school that I had chosen to go to. So it's like, okay. So high school was just hard. Like I, I tried, you know, I was... I went into being, you know, a varsity cheerleader. I got, I was in all honors AP classes. I, you know, it was like A and B honor roll. 
was in National Honor Society, Science Honor Society, Latin Club, Art Club, volunteering, you know, uh, Winter Park Youth Advisory Board. Like I did everything that I could, to, you know, to improve myself and be a better person, but I didn't have a social foundation. I felt very isolated. I felt very alone. Um, and even when I tried to make, you know, when I, I made friends and stuff like that, but I just didn't know how to deepen those relationships. So eventually I got to the point where I started looking for love. And I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that's where it, it goes, you know, like, mm -hmm. so that's what happened. I mean, and I waited, like I still, like I had that foundation of Christianity. I just didn't know what to do with it. Uh, I had, you know, memorized those scriptures. I had highlighted those Bibles in middle school or whatever, but in high school, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. We weren't going to church regularly. We weren't praying regularly. We weren't talking about it. I no longer went to a Christian Bible school where we had services every morning. And so I kind of just was like there, but not there. That's kind of where things just started going sour. I started, you know, I fell into depression. I started, you know, dating. Um, trying to find love basically in all the wrong places. My self-esteem crashed, you know, it's like, well, you know, I just didn't feel good enough and not, you know, nothing I did was ever um, acknowledged. You know, didn't matter if I got an A or B or C, like, w did anybody care? They were having, you know, they were more concerned about having their kids and like my mom was a stay-at-home mom with a lady who went and bought groceries for her and they did this, but then it was just like, who cares about, you know, she gets herself up, she gets herself to school. Oh, you didn't do the dishes last night. You need to do the dishes. Like, that was my interaction with them. And then they'd go this way, you know, on the weekends with their family. And I, you know, was just like, I felt like I was stuck in a house where I didn't belong to the family, but they wouldn't let me go anywhere else. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, so what do I do? You know, so that's when I started um, getting on the internet and just um, doing what you know, teens do per se, but I, I just didn't know what else to do with it. I mean, I kept going through the motions. I kept wanting to better myself. I kept wanting to be something. I wanted, you know, wanted to. I just didn't know what to do with it. And so I made my own plans. <laughs> I was a planner. And so, you know, I worked hard. I went to school. I got my scholarships. I did what I had to do. I, you know, I was, got my varsity letters. I got what I had to do. You know, I started dating, you know, and I did what I had to do. Like I wanted to go to Puerto Rico uh, for a school trip, you know, and I, I made the money and I went. I wanted, you know, custom-made prom dress, so I made the money and I bought myself a custom-made prom dress for my senior prom. You know, like, so that's just, so then I started to rely on myself a lot, you know, and, and, and so I started to, you know, cut the ties for my parents and my attitude, as they said, was horrible, but I just didn't, I didn't respect people that didn't, they didn't really seemed to love me or honor me like they did the basics they're like well we put a roof over your head and we do this mm -hmm. and they're like but it's so weird that you said honor because it, it was like right on the tip of my tongue mm -hmm. i don't even that's just that spirit and so so i was i mean graduation day couldn't come fast enough <laughs> and um and so i was like i got into university of florida you know i moved up and they they, they kept their agreement that they would help out financially so they paid my rent and then everything else was on me. I guess I should back up a little bit to my my first serious boyfriend. Um, we start, I started dating him right before the beginning of my senior year. And so we dated all through my senior year. And then I went off to college. And I think we were together for four years. And it was a 
horribly toxic relationship. <laughs> horribly toxic relationship. We were very similar intellectually. We both came from broken families. His father had committed suicide when he was four. And so he grew up in a single mom home in Winter Park and we went to high school together. He was in one of my classes and that's how we met. But um, yeah, nobody liked him. But at the same time, he was the only person that seemed to recognize me. Mm -hmm. So no matter how bad things got and how emotional, I mean, you know, screaming and crying. Some and attention is better than no, <laughs> no attention. attention. Yeah. So like I said, <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, and then he, you know, he didn't have a good example either. He didn't come from a Christian background at all. And he was very logical and, you know, science-based and stuff like that. But we both were very romantic. And so, we, we, you know, we connected on certain personality traits and we both kind of just clung to that. So even when it got really, really bad, <laughs> we had each other. So it was like, well, this is, I guess, what love is, right? Mm. You love each other even when it gets bad or something. I don't know. We were just trying to figure it out. 16, 17 years old. And then he ended up getting into UF. He was a grade behind me. He was only a couple months younger than me, but he was a grade behind me. And so he ended up getting into UF the following year and coming up. And he lived below me above me. I don't know. We lived in the same apartment complex. And then eventually, like, his mom kept pushing and pushing and pushing. She's like, you know you guys would save money if you guys lived together. Mm -hmm. And so eventually he moved in, which I didn't want to do. But I was just like, well, you're right. Logically, it makes sense to save money. And again, there was no real Christian foundation coming from anywhere. Mm -hmm. When I moved off to college, my relationship with my family was null. Like, I could maybe, I'd maybe hear from my mom once a month, maybe they kind of went to, through a phase where they just really weren't involved in my life at all. I would come down for the holidays, but that was about it. Um, and so it was kind of just like on my own <laughs> in Gainesville, new town, <laughs> with all the freedom in the world. And just like, I just remember like standing outside my front door sometime going like, I could go anywhere right now. And yeah, so anyway, so we ended up moving into with each other and it just got really bad. My depression just plummeted. And so, I mean, he, he withdrew. I don't know. He was going through his own struggles, like I said. I mean, he had his own issues as well. So he just kind of just stopped doing stuff. Like, he ended up flunking out of his first semester of college. Um, he would just, sometimes he'd go to work, sometimes he wouldn't go to work. I'd come home, and he'd be playing video games, and there would be plates and cups all over the kitchen. And so here I am, working, going to school full-time, not even married to him. Playing <laughs> housemaid. Playing housemaid, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And I mean, I was struggling with my own depression and stuff like that, but I kept pushing. Like I said, I had a plan, and once I got a plan, like I got my mindset on something, I did it. Like I was very, I'm very ambitious, and when I, you know, and I'm very committed. It was just, it was devastating. Um, he, and then so as he pulled away emotionally and just he, as he was shutting down, like now in hindsight, I could see it was his own issues. But at the time, being the state of depression I was in, it was like, like I'm a horrible failure, like nothing I'm doing is right, like I'm busting my butt off and, you know, you know, again, like someone else, you know, doesn't love me and there's, I'm living with somebody who doesn't love me and all that kind of stuff. And again, it was just that like desire to be loved and approved and, committed to and you know encouraged and I just didn't have that I was codependent on him but I wasn't even it was still even wasn't good thing like he he wasn't in a good place and like it got to the point where I got suicidal 
it was one night I was in the bathroom screaming through the door. I had a knife in my hand. Um, he eventually got the door open and he pinned me down on the floor and choked me till I almost passed out to calm me down. That's what he says, but it still was not fun. And that's when I went in to a psychiatrist. It was, like I knew it was, I mean, I, I was majoring in psychology. So the irony I always said is like my psychology professors were always, you could definitely tell who studied psychology because they needed it too. <laughs> <laughs> cure, their, cure themselves. I'd always was striving to improve myself. I was always trying to grow. I just didn't know where to go. I didn't have guidance. I didn't have a support system. Um, but there was just always that, you know, like looking back, I can see there's always that little bit of like push. There's always that little bit of being held up. And now I know what it was. It was God, you know, holding me through those hard times because it could have been a lot worse. Like how bad I was could have gotten worse. So then I went in and the psychiatrist was like, you need to take a break. You um, are way too overloaded. I was in five classes, everything from Latin to, I don't even know, biochemistry. I don't even, I can't even remember all the courses, but they were pretty intense coursework. And she was like, you need to take a break. And she's like, I was like, no, no, I can do it. <laughs> I can make it through. I did it for about another month. And then that was the first time in my life that I had actually, I was making a, two Ds and I like, I never made the lower grades. And I just walked, I came back into her office the month later, just weeping, like, I can't do it. <laughs> and um, she was like, okay. So she's like, I will write, you know, a medical withdrawal and you won't have to pay back the courses but you definitely need to take a break and you need to um, get back on your feet, you know? And so when I told my parents that, you know, what the psychologist said and what I was doing or whatever, oh, they retaliated. So here their daughter is suicidal. Um, they have a psychiatrist. She has a psychiatrist note that says she is in a bad state. She needs to take a break. She, you know, she's getting, she doesn't have to pay any of the coursework back, the, the cost of anything back. And their response was, well, if you're going to be lazy and not go to college, then you can pay your own bills. And they financially withdrew all assistance. I was like, okay, there I go, feeling like a failure again. And so I started working at the YMCA. I met one of my dear friends. I'm still good friends with her now. And she, she was just so bubbly and just energetic all the time. And she was kind of like a little bit of light through that summer, you know. And she you know, brought me in with her friends and she'd take me out and... It was, you know, it was that party kind of crowd or whatever, but they weren't, they, I mean, we still were underage drinking and doing all kinds of, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, but it wasn't like the wrong crowd that's going to pull you down. You know, she was, you know, she was hard worker and, you know, you know, stuff like that. So I was just like, well, you know, like I couldn't see the difference between being a Christian and like some of the people that were Christians who were, they were partying and all the time, you know, doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't see the difference. Like I didn't know the difference. Like I was like, well, the Bible says this, like I remember, you know, like we shouldn't do this, but I'm like, but everyone else is doing it. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have that foundation. I didn't have that, that secure spiritual guide. So I was just like, well, okay, whatever. So then that's when I joined the party group. And I was like, well, this is fun. Like they get, they're laughing and smiling and you know, Every once in a while, someone's throwing up, but you know, whatever. <laughs> At least we're not like crying and alone in our, you know, house by ourselves for, you know, for no reason. Because you don't, you just don't, you know. You're, at least I'm getting out and getting social and starting to 
get, you know, a group of friends to hang out with because I really hadn't had that since high school because in college it's just a lot more spread out. So if you're not in a group, you know, like it's hard. Well, five courses are also pretty tough. Yeah, and working and working. taking mm-hmm. care of <laughs> my boyfriend. So, <laughs> so you know, we broke. You know, I ended up. We ended up breaking up, and I ended up, you know, starting to grow. I got a, a new job working as a, a a nanny, and she was a counselor, and a, a school counselor, and he was a police officer, and so she was like the next Christian to come into my life. And so she, you know, so she would pray about things and she would talk about things and, you know, just little bits here and there. And I just kind of started to feel that hope again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still wasn't in a good space place, but it was at least enough. Like it was so, it was just like starting to come out of that little pit a little bit. And in that time frame, I also met Ben who became, eventually became my first husband. And he was from a... Christian background. Um, he was a very hard worker. He was a good guy, um, and he was very encouraging. and And I clung to that, you know. And so I once again got into a codependent relationship, but at least it was a healthier relationship. So I was making progress. And yeah, so like you know, time just started going a little bit faster. It wasn't like every day was a drag, but there were still times where. I would break. I didn't. I, I wasn't healed from my dad leaving. Mm-hmm. I wasn't healed from you know how my parents, my mom and my stepdad were treating me. Um, I didn't really know how to be in a relationship that was healthy, um, and then a lot. And so, you know, that so I started working or continued working and continued going to school. Ended up you know getting my bachelor's degree. Then I had to take a couple more courses, and then. I told him that I wanted to stay in Gainesville for my nursing. I wanted, I was going to go back and get nursing as well. Like I was getting my first bachelor's in psychology and I was like, I either want to get into a two year program and just get certified to be a nurse, or I want to get into an accelerated program and get a second bachelor's degree in nursing. Cause I had chosen at this time that I wanted to go to nursing cause I was studying psychology. I love psychology, but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be a counselor or if I wanted to be in, in the medical field. And so at that point, I had decided I wanted to be a nurse. And like in the back of my mind, I, re- I remembered the reason why I wanted to be a nurse was because if my husband ever left me, I would be able to get a job really easily. And I wouldn't have to worry about taking care of, you know, struggling getting a job and taking care of kids, mm-hmm. which we'll get to that. <laughs> um, God has a, a way of bringing you through your fears. So um, anyway, so I'll try to, try to shorten this part because it, it, it wasn't very eventful. Except for, I mean, I did get married. Yeah, things just kind of went along. Like, I loved his family. His, you know, we went to both of his grandparents' 51 anniversaries. And um, and it was just a wonderful family. And then I found out how surface it was. You know, they were all Christian going. They were all, you know, they put on the face. Mm-hmm. Like, so I remember him, like, one of his things, like, he's his parents didn't know he drank. His parents didn't know he smoked. His parents then I made him stop smoking before I started dating him because I'm allergic to cigarettes. But then that became a lie that he ended up doing it behind my back anyways. You know, his parents thought he was a virgin when he married me, but he wasn't even a virgin when I met him. And so just things like that. And then I started realizing just how surface level everything was. And then it, it, it started to bother me because um, everyone adored him. Everyone adored him. He was a salesman. And it's because he sold himself the mm-hmm. way he 
wanted them to sell. So mm-hmm. I eventually got to the point where I was like, you know, we, it was right before we got married. And I was like, you're going to have to tell me what I'm allowed to tell people. Like, cause I'm just going <laughs> to tell people <laughs> like I was, I'm a very honest person. So, and I, and cause I, I remember learning that in school or in Bible school and stuff like that. I was like, God tells us not to lie, but so I'm going to tell your mom that, but if I'm not supposed to tell your mom that you're going to have to tell me, I'm not supposed to tell your mom that. And I will respect that as your wife, but you're going to have to let me know because otherwise I'm just going to tell them because that's what happened. Like I said, I had graduated from UF. I graduated from, I had a couple other courses I had to take. I got into Santa Fe's nursing program and I was so excited because this was in 2008 is when I graduated. 2007 is when the economy crashed. (laughs) So everyone dove into the nursing field. Everyone went back to school to become nurses. So it was really hard to get into nursing. And so I had gotten into a program and I'm like, heck yeah, I'm gonna do it, you know? And then he was like, no. And I was like, what do you mean no? And he was like, no, I my job's in Orlando, we're going to Orlando. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I told you that I was staying in Gainesville until I got my nursing degree. And he's like, no. He's like, I'm the, the you know, the, the man of the house. It's like, we're staying in Orlando. So then I had to Turned down my nursing school, and then I also started getting severe pain. It was right before we got married. I got severe pain in my side, and so I went to the ER. They said I had gallstones. My mom was like, I don't believe them, so she brought me down to Orlando, and I got another ultrasound, and he said there was nothing there. But at that point, I mean, I had moved out of my the place I had been living. I had turned down nursing school, and so here I was living with my parents because there was a couple months before we got married with no job, no schooling, like nothing, but a wedding to look forward to. And I was obviously not looking forward to it at this point. Um, I was looking forward to the wedding because I'm a serious party planner, but I wasn't really looking forward to the marriage. But everyone loved Ben, everyone loved Ben. And then we had one little um, breakup kind of thing like six months before the wedding. And basically my friends who I'd had since high school, they were like, well, you better go apologize to him because you're never gonna find anyone better for you. I was like, okay. Hmm. So, you know, so like I said, everyone loved Ben. So I was like, all right, so I'll just shut my mouth because it's a godly Christian family and he's a good guy and, you know, okay, I'll do what I'm told. And um, I really had, at that point, uh, lost my voice. You know, I had lost, I, I knew I had screwed up with the whole Hunter. Everyone had hated Hunter and how dysfunctional that was. And so now I had you know, someone everyone adored and everyone loved, and he was such a great guy, and I knew a lot more about him than anyone else did. But, you know, I was the wrong one. I was in the wrong because it's Sasha, and she doesn't have a, you know, a sound mind. So I just went along with it. I was just like, okay, well, look at Mary, you know, that kind of thing. So then we were living in Orlando, and so I was like, well, okay, well, I'm going to try to get into some of the nursing schools here then. Like, that's really what I was set on. Like I said, like, once I get my mind on something, like, that's what I'm going to do. And he just kept saying no. And I was like, well, I need to take chemistry, one more course of chemistry, because I don't have enough credits to get into this program. And he's like, no, you're not taking chemistry. He's like, you're getting a job. And I was like, but I want to go to nursing school. And he's like, no, you're getting a job. And I'm like, well, at this point, again, I have a bachelor's in psychology, which you can't do a whole lot with. And the economy was horrible. So I was like, so you want me to go get a job doing exactly what I was doing to put myself through college? <laughs> that was kind of a pride thing at that point. I was just like, but I just graduated college. Like, I already did all these jobs. Like, I didn't want to have to do these again. I want to go to nursing school and become a nurse. And I was like, and then once I get into the classes, I can work around that schedule and know what kind of job I can do. 
And I was like, plus you're making $50,000 a year plus commission. And I was like, I just got off of living, t making $10,000 a year and paying my way through college. I think I can live off of 50. <laughs> but anyway, so that was where we were at. I walked into a naval recruiting Recruiter. office. Oh my God. I saw that coming. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to show these people that I'm, I'm worth more than just a minimum wage job. You know, uh, not that I was against hardworking. I just, I had, I'd been working since I was 15. I've been doing these jobs. I'm like, why did I go to college just to come back and do this again? Like, I have bigger aspirations. But you could join as an officer, which is not. But I, I didn't. I could oh. have, but I didn't. And there was, a, there's a reason because I, I didn't have. Even though both my parents were in the Navy, I, I didn't have a strong found military foundation as far as like. I wasn't the kid that had like gone to ROTC and had learned everything about the history of the military and stuff like that. I didn't have that side. So I was like, well, if I'm going to go in, I got to learn that side. I'm going to go in as an enlisted member, even though I could have gone in as an officer. But and I only did reserves. I knew that I would come back and then, you know, maybe get my husband to let me go to school Just again. <laughs> I was still set on going to school. I went in. I... I took a practice ASVAB, got a 93. He was like, heck yeah. Um, he did all my paperwork. Did Wednesday. you tell your husband or you just went and... No, I just did this. I didn't tell anybody. And then on Wednesday, the recruiter drove me up to Jacksonville. And I took the official ASVAB. And then Thursday morning, went through medical. Thursday afternoon, got sworn in. And then <laughs> on the way back from Jacksonville, I go, hey, by the way, I got a job. And he's like, you do? And I was like, yeah, I'm going into the Navy. Let's just say nobody was happy about it, <laughs> except for me. I was excited. Yeah, so that's how I joined the Navy, and I went to intelligence. So a couple months, I started in the debt program, and we meet like once a month before boot camp, and then I got married, and it was three weeks after I got married, I went off to boot camp, which I was so thankful for because the wedding was a disaster. Um, I had asked him not to drink, and he was drunk on the altar. His um, groomsman and him had drank vodka. <laughs> From the night before? Probably. No. No? That well, day? Well, they were waiting because he was nervous, so they broke broke open a bottle of vodka. And I was like, that was one thing I asked you not to do so that you would be of sound mind when you got married to me. But um, so I, that's just when I started to see like the controlling side where he was the man. He got to make the decisions. I didn't really have a say. And I was like, Ho -ho hold up. Do you remember who you married? Because I got a lot to say. Strong-headed, ambitious, and stubborn. So I don't know who you think you're marrying right now. Let's just say I was very devastated. I ended the night in tears at my wedding. And then, so we made it, I made, and I say it, I made it through the honeymoon. Boot camp? I got to go off to boot camp. And I was so excited to go to boot camp. <laughs> I was nervous, but I was excited. And then I actually was kind of relieved because my mom, like I said, my mom was in the Navy. So she had told me all of her stories about boot camp and stuff like that. So I already had the expectations of what to expect. and. When I got there, I was like, these are like new buildings. And we actually get a like a, a shower curtain to go to the bathroom in privacy. Like, this is a lot better than what I was expecting. <laughs> so during boot camp, I kept getting pushed out. Like, I kept being forced to be in the leadership position. I ended up being a yeoman in my division. And basically, like, the, the paper paper person the secretary of the group or whatever and so I had to keep track of all 73 other kids you know that were in my um, division and all their health records and the medical and where they were and what when they were and where we were going and what time we were going and like 
you know, so I was so happy the day I got my watch because then I could set my alarm and because, I mean, as soon as they turn the lights on at five o'clock in the morning, they're like, yo, men. And I was like, I'm not even dressed yet. Hold on. You know, so I eventually would set my alarm early. And so I, I was thriving in the fact that, I mean, you're cut off from phones and everyone else when you're there. And it was it was nice. Like I, I was able to just be who I was. It was, you know, I wasn't like, well, my mom's not calling me or you know, I'm expected to be over here, or like I wasn't being pulled by anyone outside. Like I was cut off from everyone that I, I, I had expected to be, you know, like I had a lot of expectations of what a family should look like and wasn't meeting up to, and so it was depressing, or, you know, what a relationship should be like and wasn't meeting up to and it was depressing. You know, like I was just, it was just me, and I was responsible for me, and then I started getting the leadership positions where I had to come out of my shell and I had to like get people to where they were going and they were yell at me and ask me where people were and I you know had to tell them and it it was it was very renewing of my personal strength the like what I was capable of is not purpose I'm not uh, yeah I'm not a I was never the, I was too timid to be the one like like I had a brain I just didn't wasn't capable of going out there and being like well I can do that I can leave this oh I can do you know I didn't have that confidence at all I didn't have any confidence or self-esteem and you know, and again, I had been very isolated most of my life, even though I had, you know, friends at school and stuff. But yeah, so that was just, it was a turning point. It was a turning point where I started to get my voice back. Again, I was back to the stage where I had been when I hit high school, where I had all these issues happened and I didn't know how to handle it. Well, now I was getting a voice back. I didn't know how to use it properly. Um, the only person that really reached out to me was my mother-in-law. She wrote me a bunch of letters. I, I might have heard from my husband once while I was in boot camp. I was livid. I was like, after everything that had been going on, like the, the anger started to fester. And I was so mad at him. Like so mad at him that like any ounce of love I had ever had for him was just gone by the time I got out of boot camp. And then he, I graduated, he came up for the graduation with my family and then went back and then I had to go to school. So I went over to Virginia for schooling and he came up to visit for Valentine's Day. And that was the first time that we had been intimate since we'd gotten, since I had left for boot camp. and he was being way too rough. And I told him it was hurting and he wasn't really listening. And so eventually I just kicked him off of me and said, you are never touching me again. And I meant it and he never did. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was mad. <laughs> and so then, I mean, I started praying. I really, really did. I didn't, I hadn't in years. And I really, I just, at that point, I was, I didn't know what to do. And I did. And I started praying because I didn't know what to do. I was married. I was a Christian and I was married and everyone loved him and I hated him. <laughs> I was just like, what do I do? Like, I was so scared of like even saying divorce. Like I had never wanted to be divorced. Divorce was a horrible thing. I had come from, like I said in the beginning, I had come from a dysfunctional family. The last thing I wanted to do was be 23 years old and divorced. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I, I did, I hated him and I didn't know what to do. And then of course, that's when Satan likes to come in and be like, well, here's a temptation. And so that's when I met my current husband. And at first, you know, like I was dead set. I was never going to cheat on him. I was, you know, like I just didn't know what to do. But at the same time, I was so lonely, so isolated because nobody else had reached out to me. 
all my friends that I'd had for years. Like nobody was, nobody reached out to me while I was in boot camp. They, they might have sent me like Christmas cards or something because I was there through the holidays. But it wasn't like letters like, how are you doing? This is what's going on. You know, like a lot of people were getting like constant letters. And and so, and then when I went to school, yeah, like nothing. Like I opened up my Facebook and it was just like nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, you go off the grid for 10 weeks and apparently you're like dead to the world. And then that's when Enzo came into the picture. He was a cute little Texan, a lot younger than me, who like just attached to me like a puppy. And like he is, he has a way with words. So I mean, he was just like, he's the, the only person in my life at that point to ever call me beautiful. No one had ever called me beautiful. People had said like, you're pretty or you're cute or whatever, you're sweet, but no one had ever said beautiful. So that like stood out to me because I'd never been called beautiful. So he was in my class and stuff, and I started to get to know him, and we started talking, and we'd go for long walks, and it just eventually evolved. I did eventually have an affair. And then a month later, I t you know, I told my husband, and we ended up, um, he ended up filing for divorce. So I was married to him for eight months. <laughs> Together for four years, but, and being married for only four, or for eight months. Like, right as the divorce finalized, Enzo ended up proposing to me. And I said yes, and so, couple months later we got married because I was like well you know he loves me and I've already been married but I don't want to be a divorced woman at 23 so just go jump and get married again why not we're soulmates and we're gonna make this work and we're gonna be happy forever and ever and all that jazz uh, we ended up wanting to get you know we got married and we ended up wanting to have kids right away and so I ended up getting pregnant you know he was super, like you know things seemed to be it was all rosy and everything was it was probably the best six months of a relationship I'd ever been in, <laughs> ever. You know, the rose-colored glasses come off. He ended up getting called to, de to a deployment because he was active duty. I was a month pregnant, and so that was a very hard period. I, once again, was alone because um, he was now gone, deployed, and then I was pregnant. <laughs> so um, I, I tried to reconnect more with my, my mom at that point, you know, having to work through the whole divorce and stuff like that it was a I think a big shock to my mom because um, she didn't know like nobody seemed to know that there was any issues in the marriage so when the marriage ended abruptly everyone was shocked because they didn't know and I think that was an eye-opener for my mom as far as she didn't really know me and then you know being pregnant and going through like I wanted a natural birth like she'd had and so that we were able to start to rekindle a little bit of a relationship over my pregnancy but then that's when the relationship with my husband started to get sour because he was he hated being deployed and he was very you know he was depressed and I was still I mean I again I had never healed not mm -hmm. once up to this point had I ever healed mm -hmm. I just kept moving forward I kept finding something to fill that space or that time or that you know, whatever it was at that point, like, well, if I, you know, can go through boot camp, then I'll be happy because I'll be able to show the world that I'm a strong, independent woman. Or if I, you know, graduate from college, then I'll show them that I'm smart and I'm able to, you know, like, even though I, you know, had depression, I could still make it through college or, you know, I got married or, oh, well, that marriage didn't work out. But look, I could find a relationship like no problem. Like, you know, like, Everything, like seriously, like these are just thoughts that like I always was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, looking for the approval from the outside. I was constantly looking for approval from the outside and I was also like trying to prove to them that I, I was worth something because up until this point, like I didn't feel like I was important to anybody. Like I was, 
even like my husband, like he didn't fight for it. He was just like, oh, well, okay, then I want a divorce, you know, and we'd been married eight months and he's a strong Christian. But then his family, even his family was like, I mean, they're, they're the ones that, you know, they just even pushed it. They're like, well, you know, it's, you're allowed to divorce somebody if you're, if they cheat on you and you're a Christian, then you divorce them. And then like his mom was like, you need to go read the Bible. And so, well, guess what? I went and read the Bible and the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the only reason why you can divorce somebody is if they cheat on you. It does not say divorce somebody if they cheat on you. I learned that through many, many months of studying on my own because I tried so hard to save my last marriage. Going back to this marriage, it just became, again, another emotional roller coaster. You know, he was gone all the time and like I basically was reliving what I had gone through as a kid. And so now I'm having a child and and then that's when I started, it hit me. I was pregnant and it hit me. I was like, I have a lot of issues and I'm about to be a mom. I'm like, oh crap. It's <laughs> like, I don't want to pass my issues on to my kid. Um, I don't want to ruin it for her. I, I want to be, you know, I want to be whole. I want to be strong. I want to be able to lead her. I want to be able to, you know, not put her in a position that I was in. I don't want her to feel alone or isolated or worthless. Or, and so I was like, I got a lot to work on. And that's when I started really getting pulled towards God. Mm-hmm. I started listening to um, Caleb radio. And it was the, through the music is really where I finally started to find healing. And yeah, so I had her and she was wonderful. And then we moved up to Virginia because my husband was back from deployment and we were living together and things were, you know, were, it was okay until the day that I found that he had an account on a dating website with a alias name. I was like, well, what? What's this? <laughs> yeah. And that's when it really got rocky. I mean, he was just defensive and he was just constant. It was constant. I mean, he would he would just find another reason, another way of hiding it. And then I would discover it. I'm like, you do realize you married someone in intelligence, right? It just got bad. Like, then I became obsessive over, I became that, um, I don't want to say crazy, but that's kind of how I felt. I felt crazed over like, well, why are you saying you love me? Why are you bringing me flowers? Why are you doing all this? But then you're having an hour and a half Skype conversation with this girl, like, why? What? Like, and then, you know, then I felt crazy. <laughs> like, I'm like, I started to realize that, you know, like the, the, the big difference between, and this is really where I started to heal with my, my, from my father's hurt and stuff like that. It was, um, I started to realize how much, you know, someone can say they love you and then, but not actually show you love. And so I started to learn what real love was. And I started to, you know, read the Bible and started to find out that, that about love. That's really what I was, like, had, like I had said, from high school was looking for love. Mm-hmm. And so I started to learn about love more. He went on another deployment. I moved back home with my family, and that was hard. I hit another low depressed point because I was living with my family. Mm-hmm. And, we, again, mm-hmm. we had not healed anything between us and there was a lot of passive-aggressive behavior from my mom and a lot of short-tempered from my stepfather and and now you had a daughter and now I had a daughter and I also had health issues so I I have this crazy rambunctious two-year-old running or one-year-old running around no support but at the same time 
support because they let me live in their house, you know, like that was, again, the, like, you have a negative attitude, you're ungrateful, we're letting you live here, like, so eventually I got, we got into a big blowout fight and I moved out. <laughs> I was like, well, we only have four months, I just need this tiny little apartment to get through until he gets back from deployment and then we'll move in together again and, you know, we'll, we'll go back to, you know, fixing our family. Well, he came back, we got pregnant again, and then I miscarried and then my body shut down. I woke up from a nap on July 1st, 2013, I think it was. Yeah. And, That's um, when we became Facebook friends, actually. I woke up from a nap and I couldn't walk. I was in so much pain. I crawled to, a, I was at, actually at my parents' house, luckily, because it was my sister's birthday. I crawled to the bathroom and drew an Epsom salt bath and then I guess Lexi must have been running amok in the house because they're like, where's your mom? And my mom found me in the bathtub just crying my eyes out. Then I ended up going to the emergency room that night and um, for a month I was on narcotics and bed rest going through um, different types of chiropractic and decompression and stuff like that to try to just relieve the pain that was going through my back and my legs. And in that you know, month, I was laying in bed most of the time just staring at the ceiling. And so I'm trying to talk to my husband, you know, trying to get him down there, trying to like work with his command, like just, you know, tell them there's these different kinds of leaves. You can come here and be with, you know, be here for Lexi and me. And he just, he wouldn't, he refused to come. When I got the um, phone bill at the end of the month, that's when I saw all the messages to this one number. And of course, like I said, we had had this history of it already. So I looked into it and it was, it was some girl. And I, you know, I told him, I was like, if you go down that road, it's, it's gonna, you know, it's not the road you want to go down. And he's like, oh, we're just friends. Well, long story short, it just got worse and worse and worse. It's got to the point where there was just, you know, I mean, I wouldn't hear from him for days. I, I basically had to send him an email. It was like, I got you a plane ticket for Lexi's birthday. You get on the plane and you come down here. And he's like, fine. And so we came down and I was thinking, you know, we're going to resolve this. We hadn't seen each other in like 15 months, really, like a couple times here and there. So I was like, he's almost out. <laughs> you know, we'll just move back in together. We can work through this. We'll, we'll make it through. And I had done Power of a Praying Life. I was just praying and I was just really getting, you know, really trying to save the marriage and, you know, move forward in my life for my daughter's sake, you know, and for my own sake and stuff. And yeah, he came down. I thought, you know, we, it went well, <laughs> the visit went well. And, but I, I remember now, like as he was leaving, getting ready to get back on the plane, the look that he gave me, like it's just kind of like tattooed in my brain. Cause I just remember thinking it was odd at the time, but then knowing later on down the road what it was. It was him literally saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Like he had no intention of coming back. He didn't make that clear, but you could see it on his face. And that's why it, it, I remember thinking, well, that's kind of a weird look for him, but not really knowing at that point. So then a couple weeks later, I was like, I tried calling him one night like 20 times to tell him I was gonna take a pregnancy test. And he wouldn't answer, and I think he texted me, like, Saturday. That was, like, Tuesday night. I think I heard back from him on Saturday. And I'd taken the test on Wednesday morning, and it was positive. I had known since Wednesday, and I didn't even hear from my husband until Saturday to tell him that I was pregnant. And then when I told him, he was just not happy about it at all. I was. I was overjoyed. 
so here I was, you know, pregnant, had a two-year-old, two we were married, and I, we had no relationship. And then a couple weeks later, he was basically said that he wasn't coming to Florida, and he was going to go to Texas for a little bit, and he didn't want us to come with him. That was it was a hard hard period right there, but I, you know, I, I kept reaching out to him, kept trying to get a hold of him, kept trying, you know. And then that's when his Facebook just kind of blew up anti-God. Like, he just, like, was resisting anything that I was trying to reach out to him with. And, um, it was, I was nine weeks pregnant when I got the text message from him that said, stop calling me, stop harassing me, the marriage is over. And I was like, oh, I, I don't remember getting that memo, but okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, it wasn't that calm, but I was just, but I definitely remember thinking I didn't get that memo. I didn't know the marriage was over. That's when, like, everything just fell just out from under me. And he didn't. He never came home. I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't have a job. Um, our daughter was, was two, and she just started going to, or no, she wouldn't start going into preschool yet, but she was, you know, starting to get to the age of preschool and, so she was a little more aware of what was going on. And so she was asking about him and stuff, and I didn't know what to tell her. And then at the same time, I'm like, I'm pregnant, and I don't have a job. And he's about to stop his job, because um, he was his contract was ending. And then when his contract ended, and there was lots of fights over money and stuff like that, and when his contract ended, I didn't hear from him again. And so there I was in the apartment I was supposed to be in for four months. <laughs> with no job, no money, because he had cleared out everything. He had maxed out, so, like, he would just been spending, and I was just, I mean, I was, like I said, I was fighting. I'd have to wait till, like, midnight to, like, transfer the money from the joint account into the personal account just to pay, my personal account, to pay our bills, because he was just taking money. Like, he was just spending it. Like, he had all the money in the world to spend hmm. and didn't care that nothing else was getting paid. That's where I was. Like, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. <laughs> And so that's when I, I mean, I, I fell apart. I'd been trying and been trying um, on my own. And, and that's when God likes to... Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't getting the memo yet completely. That was hard. That was, that was really hard. Like I, I had said earlier, that's the, the main reason why I had wanted to go into nursing, besides the fact that I, lo I loved medicine and science and stuff like that, was... I knew I would always be able to get a job if I ever got married and had kids and my husband left me. Well, I never got to go to nursing school and I got to land exactly in my biggest fear. And I begged and I pleaded him not to go. I was like, I, I was the, the girl whose dad was active duty Navy, whose mom was reserved in the Navy, whose dad left because he cheated on his mom. And here I was reliving it again as the mom. <laughs> And now, you know, I'd already had one divorce. Now I had another one coming, you know. And I just, I felt horrible. I felt horrible. I felt horrible for my daughter. I felt horrible for my unborn daughter that wasn't even wanted by her father. And at the point, I didn't know she was a girl. But, and I just didn't know what to do. And then, of course, the, the, you know, to God, I was just like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I, you know, I took power of a praying wife. I'm praying for my husband. I... You know, I don't care if he's, he cheated on me. Let's just bring him home. Let's restore the marriage. Let's heal this. I don't want a broken home for my girls. 
or my kids. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know she was a girl. Now she's a girl. She's a beautiful girl. Um, she's almost two. <laughs> and so I had to start piecing things together. I had to start, you know, working, making 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there, like, I mean, and paying with credit cards. And, and that's when God, he, he showed up the whole, you know, um, I don't know how to explain it, but like all of a sudden, like the community that I had kind of been starting to develop, having lived in Claremont for a couple years while not Lexi was little for this last deployment, I mean, they just stepped up. There was just so much outpouring. You know, I, I ended up walking, I was at Real Life, and I walked through the hallway, and a, a, a lady stopped me, and she was like, do you happen to need a job? And I was like, why, yes, I do. <laughs> and she was like, oh, That's yeah. a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> and I was just like, What a coinky dink. Yeah, yeah. actually, she goes, Yeah, she's like, You've been on my heart. And, you know, I just wanted, to, you know, I had a couple positions open at the childcare and for, you know, the real life childcare during the week or whatever. And I just thought of you and I just wanted to see if you if you wanted a job or whatever. And she's like, I'll, And I'll go. I was like, Yeah. And I was like, She was like, Well, I'll go get you an application. She goes, Oh, wait, no. I won't even get you an application. She's like, Lee, here, why don't you just give me your ID and stuff and I'll just start filling out the paperwork now. And like, that's how I got a job. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> that's how the father rolls. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to get a job that and get childcare and get it all paid for. Like, because, you know, you, you have to have childcare and set up in place in order to get a job. But if you don't have a job to pay for childcare, then you can't get childcare. And so I'm like, well, how do I do this? <laughs> how do I you get... become a child care taker. Right. <laughs> well, you can bring your kid for free. That's right. And that's what happens. And I just walk into the hallway. All those little details. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you take care of others. Uh-huh. And when you go to the father's home. Mm-hmm. Foundation. Down, down the hall um, she was. In the church. Yep. yep. Power yep. praying life. So that was my first you know, Bible study. Where I, fir- and, you know, I started seeing um, him move. Mops. Uh, mothers of preschoolers. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to change what I, what I didn't have that I know would have helped me, um, which was that community. And I was trying to build a community. I was trying to build friendships for my daughter. And so I was going to all these, you know, play dates and meeting people. But like um, you had said, I was, I was very closed off. Like it was hard to get to actually know me. Like I would stand there and I'd wanted to be there. I wanted to talk to people. I didn't know how to talk to people. <laughs> so I'd let my daughter go play, and I kind of just stood there. But I would keep going. You were standoffish, <laughs> like, I'm just here for her. So just... <laughs> and I wasn't trying to be. I just, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel, I didn't feel safe getting to know anybody. I mean, the, the most important people in my life had all really damaged me. My first real love, you know, my... You know, my first husband, my mom, my dad, my stepdad, you know, oh, second my, husband. my grandmother, which I didn't even get into that story. But, um, and then now my second husband, you know, was, it, I again was in another, um, emotionally abusive relationship. And that's what I, I kind of learned once I got away from it, how bad the abuse actually was. Like he wasn't physically abusive, but it was very emotional. Like he would make me feel crazy. Like, well. You know well, why are you looking at that like like so he just it was very emotional abusive so just having had gone through all of that and not having any confidence or self-esteem and depression to, like as my 
you know, my foundation of my personality because of everything I had gone through and didn't have any support from the world as how to get through this. And then everyone, again, now looking down on you even more because you're depressed. And so you have the whole stereotype of being crazy depressed person it just made so it just made me very standoffish but I was trying like I was really trying for you know my daughter was definitely my huge motivating factor because I knew where I was and I never wanted her to get there at that point I had you know I knew I knew in my heart that God was the only way to get out of that like mm-hmm. I had tried everything <laughs> I had I was like I've done excelled and you know, competitive gymnastics cheerleading like I you know I, I had tried everything, looking good, look, you know, being smart, being strong, being independent, being like I had tried everything the world had told me, getting married, you know, like everything the world had told me would make me happy, would make my life good, would make, you know, be successful. I tried all of it and nothing was working. And the community was something I had never had, but I was scared to have it. But I was like, all right, God, you know, you're all about community and mm-hmm. church go, you know, you could get together, you fellowship. And you said that you were pouring your heart out on Facebook saying stuff like, well, it's really hard when you don't have money to buy toilet paper. Right. And then it would show up on your doorstep and you'd be like, oh, but maybe someone does care about me. Yeah. <laughs> Even wiping my butt, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like, and then like I would relish in those little things. Like, I mean, a spatula, you know, like someone, you know, a lady, she gave me um, just kitchen utensils because I had, didn't have it at one point. You, the little things that you just never would have even thought mm-hmm. of before, like, like being able to sit there and make food for my daughter with a spatula that somebody had given me. I was just like, and then I got, of course, then there was always that, like, dread of, like, well, so is someone going to look at me and think, oh, she's just trying to get stuff from people, you know? But at the same time, I knew in my heart, I didn't have it, and I didn't have a plan, and so that's where we were going before is I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, God had put me flat on my back and had put me in that position because that's where I had to be in order for Absolutely. him to get my attention <laughs> and be like, I'm here. Right. And that's I'm going to take care of you. He wanted your attention. He needs you to slow down, but he also wanted your attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Sounds all too familiar, Mikey. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> so once I started to get back on my feet and I had the job at Real Life Church, really starting to kind of get a foundation. I mean, I really wasn't financially anywhere secure at all. I was, you know, in a really bad place there still. And I was pregnant and I'm getting ready to have a kid. So then, of course, that was even going to get even more. Like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm about to have a baby and I'm on, like, hourly time period. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do when, you know, I have her and I can't work? And so there was a lot financially there that I was still worried about. But as far as getting emotionally, getting secure in trusting God and my relationship with him growing, the verse that really started to take a hold in my life once I had, you know, like I was saying, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven was the one that was getting me through that emotional mm-hmm. time period. Once I started to get a little bit more on my feet emotionally and I had filed for divorce and I was starting to move forward and being like, okay, it's going to be me and my kids. Like, that's what it's going to be. And I'm, you know, and God. And once I, fi- you know, finally started adding him into the equation and being like, he's my comforter. He's, he's my, my husband. Father. He's my father. Like mm-hmm. all the things that I had never had. He's my security. Once I started putting, like calling him those names, starting to put those titles on him, this verse is the one that came and it was Genesis fifty twenty, And it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And that's when it really started to put on my heart that 
it was a testimony that was being built that he had he had put me a flat on my back to get my attention to get me to draw me closer to him mm-hmm. and that I had a plan and that was the next step was that or not I didn't have a plan he, I had a purpose he had a plan yes I had a purpose <laughs> so it was no longer my plan it was his plan but I still had a purpose even though I didn't have a plan anymore kind of put me in my place <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as you are important you are worthy you are loved and you have a purpose but it's my plan mm-hmm. and so that's where I started moving into that next stage of really just trusting him and you know and I was like and so like um when I was pregnant I got put on high risk I had what they call low-lying placenta and if it be, it can be very dangerous if the placenta um, drops too low towards the cervix and it can cause death in the infant and in the mother if if it you know if it's not um, taken care of, which means an automatic C-section. And I'd already had my first child naturally, and I wanted to have my second child naturally. And so I mean, I just remember praying and praying and praying, like, God, I'm deathly afraid of going in surgery. I do not want that. I want to have a natural birth. And when I went in, so that was at my like 20-week appointment. When I went at my 30-week appointment and got another ultrasound. They're like, your placenta is all the way in the top. Like, there's, there's not even close to the cervix. Like, the first tech must have been wrong. And I was like, or, or it was a miracle, because I'm having a natural birth at home. So, and that's what I got. And it was beautiful. Like, cause, um, like I remember my my first birth, my husband was had been there, and you know, it was it was hard and laborious, and it still ended up being beautiful. But it, but I just the second birth story is just so powerful because instead of just breathing properly and having you know your husband rub your back and going that I was in I was in prayer and meditation through it it literally was probably in maybe two hours of hard labor and then I ended up having her in the bathroom (laughs) I went to go to the bathroom and my water broke on the toilet I had next contraction was like, oh my gosh, she's coming. And they're like, okay, well, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I took she's a step here. and I was like, mom, get behind me. And they're like, oh, you mean now? And like <sighs> the next contraction, like she came out. They're like, oh, there's her head. Oh, there's her head. Oh, there's the baby. And I'm standing in my bathroom like, I just had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I was like, okay. And, but, you know, but, uh, you know, I was praying. I was, that's all I was doing. Like I was just in prayer the whole time like it wasn't even like I didn't I didn't have a husband to lean on you know I had my mom my mom was there and the midwife was there and Mo was there but I didn't have like you know like your husband or you like like someone that I was like hold me like take care of me you know protect me like go through this with me go through this with me I didn't have that I had God and so I was just praying and praying and praying and I was just like and then yeah and it was like so peaceful and quiet and easy and it, like not like I mean it was painful but it wasn't like I don't know like I didn't have to push like it just happened and it was just like I could just feel him there because I you know I was stressed out about so much like how am I gonna afford two kids how am I gonna afford this house like I already live in a little hole that's mold infested like how 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 like all those like why you know and like he's not like the, their father's not here and like I'm alone like I'm you know, having to give birth without you know and then it just again it was just that no you're not alone I'm here 
you know, you know, and I and I leaned in on that, and it, it just ended up being beautiful. And so that's kind of the period that Romans started really speaking to me. Um, the verse that kind of came after she was born, and I'm here and now I'm taking care of two kids and nursing, and I, you know, like I'm struggling with the concept of like having always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom to now being a single mom, and then you know, and then eventually I become where I'm at now as a single working mom because at that point I was able to work with my kids like they were they were always there mm-hmm. they came <laughs> with you they came with me they were with me and then um but it, it, it got to the point where I wasn't ma- I just wasn't making enough money so I'll get to that but like Romans really spoke out to me and it was Romans eight twenty eight that says we mm-hmm. know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose gotcha and so, you know, that's when, like, through that birth and through that stage of her being young and not being able to work and stuff, I, I loved God at that point. I had just completely just dove into him. He's all I had. And I just remember there was a couple of times where I told people, I'm like, I really don't want to ever make money because it's actually really nice to just be like, oh, my God takes care of me. <laughs> you know, and just, like, being able to just, like, you know, I didn't want I don't want it to come off as, like, I didn't want to work. But it was more of just that, just that. It was there was freedom in being that devout to him mm-hmm. to, and seeing the miracles that he would like the I mean um, not just the toilet paper I mean there would be times where there would be gift cards in my mailbox didn't say who from or what it would just be a gift card and I'd be like oh I needed this you know and like now I have a gift card to go get it you know and just like or like you know like a bill couldn't get paid but you know all of a sudden like oh I need babysitting this weekend can you babysit and it was like the same amount you know like I ended up making the same amount as what that bill was costing just being able to see that constantly I was just like I don't ever want to make so much money that I forget who's taking care of me and who who's in charge and that's kind of the period that I was at and and it was just beautiful <laughs> and then I started working for the vineyard which is a single mom's nonprofit here locally in Claremont I was their family advocate part-time and I was working on the mentorship program and that one really came about really really awesomely too one night I I had bought my husband an iPad before he didn't come home it was supposed to be like his welcome home gift kind of thing and it had just been sitting in my house because I didn't know what to do with it and I had tried selling it but it like nobody would like pay what it was worth and so it just kept going up and down and people like well you know that much money is better than nothing and I was like but I just don't don't feel right so I just didn't sell it and then finally one night I woke up and this is one of the funny things that Mo would say you know when you first start hearing from God you're gonna wonder if whether it was the tacos or if it was God (laughs) and so but I mean it was vivid I remember hearing like God say give it to Mo for her fundraiser and I was like what fundraiser so I called Mo the next day and I was like do you happen to have a fundraiser coming up and she's like yeah actually I do and I was like I have an iPad I'm supposed to give you (laughs) and she's like oh raffle that sounds like a great idea (laughs) anyway so then I so I then I ended up like I said earlier about my wedding and stuff that I I love party planning I love event planning and stuff like that so I ended up starting just you know in my free time helping her organize this fundraiser and then it grew into eventually getting a position and actually building their mentorship program and it was the first time 
really the first time in my life that I had saw I had somebody look at me and go, wow, you have a lot of skills. <laughs> like, you have a lot to offer. And I was like, I do. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Yeah, so she pulled me in to start working on this mentorship program for single moms. And so, of course, you know, she had already kind of knew my story a little bit. And, and I, you know, I got to tell her, you know, like, I, I was raised by a single mom. I'm now a single mom. Um, and so it was just really cool. Like, and then I loved, you know, I, I just started to see God putting before me things that took all of my gifts. You know, like things that I was good at, which before I didn't know, you know, they were gifts. I just knew that, like, well, I do well in this, and I do well in this, and I do well in this. But it's like, from her, you know, being able, like, well, you're gifted in this, and you're gifted in this, and, you know, and so starting to, again, like, she, like I said earlier, that she, she was my, you know, my spiritual mentor. So she started to really, like, she, she was the first person that I could see the difference in her life mm-hmm. as a Christian. I could see her praying and being in the word every morning I could I could see when she you know something miraculous happened she's like you will not believe what God did in my life you know versus being like this was so cool this happened you know she was like God did this God did this and like being able to see that and like I had said earlier not just somebody to call themselves not just someone a Christian right but actually just like be that open and living it because I had never seen that I didn't grow up in a Christian family who went on you know missionary trips or anything like so this is so, and then I finally like pulled out my Bible again and like I opened it up and like the one that i had had from middle school and, and I started reading the scriptures and stuff that I had underlined and highlighted and I knew them. I didn't know, like I couldn't tell you, oh, this is such and such in the Bible, but like reading the words, I was like, I knew them. And so they were like written on my heart. The foundation was there. Um, and so it was just nice to finally see somebody living that it really just, you know, it was just amazing so that I started to see it. I started to recognize, oh, it's not just the tacos. It was God, you know? Like, and yeah, and so I started to see my worth and started to see that, you know, God created me for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And and that's just kind of where that phase went. And Mo had also talked about different seasons in your life. Um, you know, you'll go through seasons in your growth. And, and so I was able to, to start to see that I was in like a season of winter, a season of suffering and pain and, you know, that kind of thing. Like I was, it was just a season mm-hmm. and it was just, it was just beautiful the way that she was able to work that through. And then God sent another angel into my life, Patricia. She, she just took me under her wing she she became a huge financial support when when I couldn't make it she was like God told me you know I keep dreaming about you you're in my dream <laughs> like I keep having this dream that you are you have these beautiful wings and you're in a box and you need to get out of this box so that your wings can go and she's like and I'm here to do that I'm here to help that and so she really just started to step up to to fill in this financial gap that I just couldn't get over. I couldn't get past that hump. I couldn't work enough hours. I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't get a job where, like, I was applying, but I couldn't find a job that was full-time, that covered childcare, that covered, and then covered my bills, and wasn't putting me a lower place than I was. And, and 
you know, she absolutely hated where I lived because it was mold infested and it was this one bedroom little place. <laughs> and so it was like me and my, you know, my, my infant and then my, my two-year-old and my three-year-old, we were all in one room, you know, and I didn't mind it. I loved it. I loved that I had a place. But yeah, she definitely came in and just blessed me. And that's how I started to get over that hump. Like, and I, you know, and again, she, you know, she made it very clear, you know, this was God. This was God putting it on her heart, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's when I started to realize that I needed to start giving more thanks to God. And seeing, you know, I was like, you know, to be more thankful for everything. And so it just became a very big season of Thanksgiving. And so even, I mean, nothing, like, I won't say nothing changed, but like even though things didn't change, my attitude started to change. I started to be more joyful. It was in a season. I mean, I was hard. Like I, there was there was months where I made four hundred dollars, and bills still had to get paid. You know, um, but I would probably be walking around with the biggest smile I'd ever had. Like, and I, you know, I finally was eventually got to the point through all of this to say I'm not depressed. Like I'm probably in the hardest situation I've ever been in in my entire life. You know, I have no money. I have two kids that require me. My husband's living with his girlfriend in Virginia. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm joyful. <laughs> and so that was such, and it was just that a heart of Thanksgiving. And I, you know, and I just said, I'm blessed. I am so blessed. Things could be so much worse than they are. And then that's kind of where Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 came into play. And it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like the tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in years of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And that's kind of where I've been, you know, in that season of, I've been in a season of drought, but like my confidence and my trust is in God. Like that, I don't doubt him at all. There are times where I doubt me, and and he'll usually send someone to encourage me and lift me up, you know. Yes, he does. But I never, I don't doubt him anymore. And so they'll, be, you know, like situations will get hard. I'll have a rough week. I'll be stressed. Or you know, I didn't, I didn't doubt him. My my trust was in him. My confidence was in him. I I knew he was going to be there. He had proven over and over and over again through the season that he was there. And so I started to get into like moving from winter and into spring, so to speak. There was still parts that, I mean, there's still parts that were going to continue to need to be grown for the rest of our life, but there were still serious relationship issues that I hadn't fully healed from. And then that's kind of where my testimony had taken a turn. Like right there could have been, you know, a good, a good testimony. Well, the next part that happened was almost as devastating, if not more to me, than my husband leaving me. And it was that those two beautiful women and I had a falling out. So I kind of became emotional. This is the one that I am really haven't really healed completely from. Life got hard again, and I kind of regressed to old defensive behaviors. I kind of pushed them away, and I was actually very shocked by how they ended up responding. I was I guess I was expecting unconditional love and support and they didn't know what to do with what happened in that situation and they completely just distanced themselves. So then I went through, this was about a year and a half ago, 
So then I went from a season of hardship and finding community in the church to then that getting pulled away as well. And so I'm like, okay, I'm back to you and me, God. You know, again, hitting rock bottom again, where um, I had to you know, get a new job. I had to, yeah, and I was at a different church for than real life church for a little bit due to a behavior issue with my daughter. I had to go to a different church while she, because she needed smaller classroom sizes. She had some sensory issues and stuff. So the real life church was a very large church. So the childcare was a lot larger. So I ended up having to take her to a smaller church. And that was kind of the church I was at. So it was just, it kind of came for a full circle. Like that was, you know, where these ladies kind of, they went. So I felt, so I ended up having to kind of move away from that church as well. Not that, I mean, I could have stayed there, but I just didn't feel like, it just didn't feel right to be there. Not because I didn't want to be, it wasn't just like, oh, well, I don't want to be around them, so I'm going to leave. It was just like, I could feel that I had to move away. Like, there was a reason there was this disconnect. There was a reason that there was there. I didn't like it. I fought it. But... You know, it only it only exasperated if I would go and then wouldn't be able to really have a relationship with them. I would break down in the bathroom and have to leave church anyways because it was hard. And then that's again, again, a period like that happened when um, I first started pulling back towards God with music. And that's really when music, again, started to play its role in worship. And so some of the songs that really pulled me through that part Till I Met You by Laura Story, Casting Crowns, Just Be Held, and Laura um, Daigle, is that how you say her name? How Can It Be? Those three songs just really, really touched my heart over the last year. Anyways, they were, again, when they left, and some of the words that were said on their, you know, on their side really just cut deep into me. Things that I had been struggling with that had always been an underlying issue. Some of the lies that were, you know, were put in were like, I wasn't worth anything. I was replaceable. My opinion didn't value, was, you know, was not valued. I felt like a doormat or um, taken for granted. There were, there was something wrong with me. I felt unloved, forsaken, and useless. And that's kind of, those were just some of the lies that were, that I would say in my head over and over again. And so here it is again. I was like, I, you know, even strong Christian women could just walk away. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that kind of was like a huge church hurt. And so it was like re, reworking that. Like, how do I get through that? How do I, you know, like, there's got to be something wrong with me. If <laughs> these wonderful women can't even, you know, be around me. Like, then it's definitely got to be my fault. And that's kind of where God was like, his promises that he has took over and through these songs and the pain and like like I said casting crowns is just be held again just give it to God and so kind of over the last year I realized I was I was starting once again to kind of lean on them like they were you know going towards that to them like I had a I finally had a community I finally had a support group oh if something went wrong I'm gonna run over here to her and you know talk to her about it and I still wasn't going to him first. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where it went around. And so like God's promises, like God is always with me. God is in control. God is good. God is watching. God is victorious. God is trustworthy. It's the father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Like 
again, it's just like repositioning that I make, like making sure that I put him first. Like, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm going to take care of you, but I, I'm going to, you got to put me first. That's just kind of been the underlying story over my whole life was like, I, I saw him like the, I saw him as a child. I didn't know it was him, but it, you know, it even says in scripture that at the, you know, the end of time, everyone like, or it says something along the lines of like, no one can say they don't know God. He makes himself known in nature. You, you know the scripture I'm talking of? Oh, I can't think of what it is, but it says that like, you know, no one can say that they don't know God because he makes himself known through, na- through, through nature, through, right. nature, through right. the earth. And so as a kid, like my, you know, like looking up at the, you know, the beautiful sky and being outside in nature, like that's why I felt at peace. I felt that comfort. And then as I, you know, started looking for love and not knowing where I was, then he was, you know, going through that depression and it could have gone worse, but he was just kind of holding me. He was getting me through and then, you know, getting married and having my kids and then realizing all the mistakes and stuff that I had made and being alone and the things, you know, that my, my mom hadn't learned. And so she wasn't able to be there and being able to, as I became a mom, to realize what my daughter needed and learning through her that I wasn't alone and that, you know, there was, there was more to life. I don't know. I just started, you know, he just was saying, I've been here. I've been here. I've been here. You just need to seek me. Mm-hmm. And so you're abandoned or, you know, you're, you feel useless or worthless or unforsaken or depressed or, or down or financially struggling or your marriage is struggling or like no matter what circumstances, it, it's just been that God is like, I'm here. I'm here for you. Trust me. Look to me. Ask me. I will give it to you. I will take care of you. I'm here. And so it's just... And so that one thing that I, you know, the one last scripture I want to kind of end with is Proverbs 4.23, where it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And it, it, God is the one person, well, not, you know, he, the one that you can trust with your heart completely. And he wants to take care. He wants to trust it. He, you know, he, he says there's good in the world. You know, it, it's good to be in community. It's good to get, you know, married and have kids and to prosper and work hard and to do, to be in, in the world, but not of the world. And he says to take, I will take care of your heart. Your heart is mine. Just give it to me and I will take care of you. I'm stubborn apparently. And so like some of the situations that I've gone through are, you know, extraordinarily hard, but it, it, that's how he has to get to me mm-hmm. um, for me to listen. And, and so I'm listening. <laughs> Alrighty then. Okay. <laughs> okay. Session 91. <laughs> and then some. And then some. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I told you I could talk. <laughs> That's all right. I think you needed to. I do too. I was think, sitting here thinking through this that uh, she needs to go through this. She does. It's going to be some healing. Just like we mentioned earlier, she needed to go through it all. And then I needed to uh, find out what the threshold was on my hard disk recorder. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was a learning. And now I know. Man, Sasha, I so do appreciate you coming and yes. just pouring out your heart. Thank you. Thank for you. It was, 
Thank you for listening. <laughs> you betcha. And not only that, there's 53 countries out there that are going to be listening and right. you know there's somebody. And partway through this, I'm, I was thinking that she needs to go through this all, all of it, all that she had written down. All well, I needed again. to hear it, too, because I was going to ask Sasha if she wouldn't mind talking to uh, Aubrey a little bit. You know, Aubrey mm-hmm. went through the exact same things. You know, I was that dad, so I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know all about it. Aubrey's his daughter. We had a pretty intense conversation today, and, and a lot of what Sasha was saying is dead on. And that casting Crown songs just happens to be her favorite song, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could have her call you or something. You guys could do lunch or something. Okay. Well... If she doesn't mind two kids coming along. <laughs> oh, no. She loves kids. She loves kids. kids. Oh, yeah. Kids gravitate to her. Yeah. This has been uh, Session 91 in the brand new studio. Yes. Mm-hmm. We appreciate everybody hanging in there and waiting on us to get back in the game. And here we are. Yes. And if you have a testimony, be sure to connect with us. We'd love it. Send us an email at godstoriesradio at gmail.com. Or you could tweet us <laughs> at God Stories Radio or like us on Facebook, please. GodStoriesRadio.com. All right. And there's been a bunch of people that's been sending in testimonies by uh, Gmail, and we'd welcome that too. We'd read them. I got Pastor Wilkins. Yeah, we got yeah. Pastor yeah. Wilkins yeah, from up. Kenya. Okay. Yeah. So looking forward to that one. But it's just great to be back. Absolutely. Indeed. It really is. Well, that's great. Well, that wraps it up for session 91. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. Hold it all together. Everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom in Lay it down and let it go So when you're on your knees An answer seems so far away You're not alone Stop holding on and just be here Your world's not falling apart It's falling into place I'm on the throne Stop holding on and just be here Just be held Just be held If your eyes are on a storm You'll wonder if I love you still But if your eyes are on the cross You know I always have and I always will Then not a tear is wasted In time you'll understand I'm painting beauty with the ashes Your life is in my hands So when you're on your knees An answer seems so far away You're not alone Stop holding on and just be here Your world's not falling apart It's falling into place I'm on the throne Stop holding on and just be Just be here
Just be 